Welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Land. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. Right, so we're going to uh, be going into the word, um, our final message for January, and then we're going to um, do just a few things, including the radical generosity we talked about. So today I want to talk to you based on our theme for the year, heaven on earth, and our theme for the month, renew. I, I want to talk to you about you know something that God really dropped in my heart. I'm titling it "Accelerating Heaven on Earth: Loving the Poor." accelerating heaven on earth by loving the poor. Um, I want to talk about, you know, God's heart for the poor. So our theme uh, for the year is heaven on earth. So God is telling us that in our own lives, we are going to experience heaven on earth. But as you know, when God does something in you, he also wants you to be able to what? to propagate it. So not only are we going to enjoy heaven on earth, we are also going to be part of bringing heaven to earth. So we're also going to be part of what? Of bringing heaven to earth. So God is as partners in bringing heaven to our neighborhoods, to our homes, to our schools, to our workplaces, to our cities. Now, you know, those of you that were at the retreat yesterday, wasn't that powerful? Powerful time. You know, when Dr. Miles Moore was preaching, there was a statement that he made uh, when he talked about the fact that, you know, when you are praying to God, according to our theme for the year, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, when, you know, Jesus said, you know, um, thy kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, you you must only call from heaven to release on the earth that which is God's intention. So that means you first of all have to find out what is God's will, right? Then you cooperate with him in what? Bringing it to the earth. Now, he said you must not allow anything, on, you must not bring anything to the earth that is not in heaven. You understand that you don't do that. You don't, you don't support such things. You always think of bringing the will of God from, you know, to the earth. Now, I want to tell you that one of the major things on the heart of God is the poor. Uh, one of the things that God would like to do on the earth is to eradicate poverty. Is to eradicate poverty and to help people who are poor. It is so, so important to God's heart that there's, you know, you can, you know, I, I mean, just studying on it, like doing a theology of it, you see that the scripture is just full of it. You know, when I was at Bible school, I did, a, I did a paper on it where I had to go through the entire Bible to write about God's heart for the poor. I had to go and get, that was 2009. I had to go and get my paper, you know, yesterday and going through it and just meditating on it again. You know, the, the Bible is so full of it because God's heart is so full of it. Anybody that... Um, says that they are a citizen of the kingdom of God, 
they must have a heart for the poor. And they must have as part of their mission the eradication of poverty from the lives of people and from their environment. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you on four points today. I just want to quickly take you through the biblical theology on poverty, um, and, you know, the poor. My first point is I want to talk about God's heart for the poor. So I'll start by talking about God's heart for the poor. Uh, then I'll talk about God's highlights of poverty. Then I'll talk about God's help for the poor. And then I'll talk about, you know, God's, um, you know, my, my final point. We'll be talking about the rewards, you know, of those who work with God, which I call God's honor for his partners. So let's go ahead and start with the first point, God's heart for the poor. We're going to be rolling through a few scriptures, you know, uh, because this is biblical theology we're doing right now. We're just, we're going through the Bible and seeing God's heart. So I want you to follow me. Um, If there's anyone that needs explanation, I'll just give a quick explanation. So many passages, God's heart for the poor, number one, many passages of the Bible reveal the heart of God for the poor. Let's look at a few of them. Psalm 8 verse 9. Let's start with Psalm 8 and verse 9. Psalm 8 verse 9 says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. A stronghold. Sorry, Psalm 9 verse 9. The Lord um, is a refuge for the oppressed. 9 verse 9, I think. Right? Yeah. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. Is a stronghold in times of trouble. So, Bible tells us here that when people are oppressed, and you're going to see, you know, one of the causes of poverty is oppression, that God, God is their refuge. You know, is their covering. He's the one that supports them and defends them. It's a refuge for the oppressed. And it's a stronghold for those who are in trouble. Um, Psalm 9, verse 17 to 18. Psalm 9, 17 to 18. He said, the wicked go down to the realm of the dead and all the nations that forget God. How do they forget God? You know, he said, said, but God will never forget the needy. God will never forget the needy. The The hope of the afflicted will never perish. God will never forget the needy. In other words, when people are needy, God has them in their hearts. God has them in their heart. He said, we'll never forget them. He will never forget the needy. So you can imagine the things that occupy the heart of God, you know, right now as we begin to study this. He's thinking of poor people all over the city. He's thinking of poor people all over the nations. It occupies him, and he wants to do something about it. But the thing is that, like I taught you earlier, and as you know, he has made us the, what? The, the ones that are supposed to be in charge on the earth, right? So he can only do it through us. He can only do it through us. It's in his heart, but it's through his body that he can carry out that. Psalms 12, verse 5. He said, because the poor are plundered and the needy grown, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. He said, you know, so it means that God can hear the groaning of those who are needy, of those who are poor. He said, because they groan and they cry, God says, I will rise. And how is he going to rise? Is he going to come from heaven to feed them? 
No, he has already done that. He came through Jesus Christ, right? And Jesus Christ said, as my father has sent me, so have I sent you. So the way he arises now is when the church arises. You get what I'm saying? That's the way he arises when the church arises. If the church does not arise, then God cannot arise. Because he lives in us right now. We are the body of Christ. It is through us that he arises. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, Psalm 35 verse 10. He said, my whole being will exclaim, who is like you, Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them. And the poor and the needy from those who rob them. He rescues the poor from those who are stronger than them. He res- so God is a rescuer of the poor. Um, Psalms 109 from verse 30 to 31. I told you we're just you know, doing a quick study. He said, with my mouth I will greatly extol the Lord in the great throng of worshipers. I will praise him. Why, we pray? why, you, why, you, why is he going to praise him? Because he stands at the right hand of the needy to save their lives from those who condemn them. If say God stands at the right hand of the needy. Psalms 140 verse 12 says, I know that the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. He secures justice for the poor. So justice for the poor and the cause of the needy is something that preoccupies the heart of God. The next one, may the mountains bring prosperity to the people. May the hills the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. You know, that one is another one. So there are people who are needy, right? God has a heart for those who are needy. But then there's also their children. You know, the thing about the children is that they didn't come into that by their own, you know, through their own um, fault. They just find themselves in that situation. So that's even extra, you know, an extra um, passion of God. The children of the needy. The children of the needy. And he said, he will crush, he may crush the oppressor. God hates oppression. You're going to see as we move on. Psalms um, 72 from verse 12. It says, for he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence. For precious is their blood. My God. You guys seen that before? That the poor and the oppressed. Look at it. He said, verse 14, said, for precious is their blood in his sight. Precious is their blood in his sight. So when you see people dying, you know, because of violence or pressure, like what is taking place in the city, single mothers who lose their sons, who lose all that, God says their blood is precious in his sight. He will rescue. But if God is going to rescue the oppression, from oppression and violence, who is he going to do it through? Is he going to come down and do it? He's going to do it through the church. Amen? He's going to do it through the church. We're going to jump a little bit. Um, Psalm 68 verse 5 says, a father to the fatherless and a judge of the widows or a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. 
if there are, uh, there are certain people that God puts in a special category in the Bible, uh, let me give it to, to Exodus 22, from 22 to 24. It says, don't take advantage of the widow or the father. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with a sword. Your wives will become widows and your children will become, your children will become fatherless. fatherless. God is saying, I don't want you to play with those who... The reason why their own poverty is different, the poverty of the widow or the fatherless is different because other kinds of poverty can be caused by personal, uh, what do you call it, your own personal foolishness. But the poverty of widows and fatherless is caused by calamity. It's caused by misfortune. It's not necessarily their fault. Are you guys following so when you see a widow, I always say, when you see a widow or when you see a fatherless person, that's one of the bank of God's heavenly treasure. Blessing for you when you see them because God is so concerned about them. Orphanages, all this kind of stuff. God is so concerned about them that God blesses those who minister to them and anybody that stands against that turns, comes against God comes against God, and the consequences are very dire and terrible. Hallelujah. Uh, in Jesus' ministry, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus tells us, anybody who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus was the Father manifested, right? He came to show us who the Father is. So, you know, when somebody, you know, said it this way, and I love it. He said, Jesus Christ is, you know, is the, is the best theology. If you want to know what God thinks about, how, how God sees anything, just study the life of Jesus when he was on the earth, and you have perfect theology. Jesus is perfect theology. If you can't find it in Christ, it's, it doesn't belong to God. If you can find it in Christ, it is part of God, because it's the express image of God's person. So when you look at the life of Jesus, he will know the values of God, because it carried all the values of God. When Jesus Christ began his ministry. What did he say in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19? The first thing he said is this, the reason why I'm here, Luke 4, 18 to 19, he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to who? To the poor. Everybody say the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners. That's spiritual prisoners, mental prisoners, physical prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of favor of God, the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus Christ, what we call, this is what we call the manifesto of Jesus Christ. The manifesto of Jesus Christ. It says that part of my manifesto for what I've been sent here to do, the focus is to lift the poor. The focus is to lift the poor to set the poor free. And throughout his ministry, you will see that he focused on the poor. Paul was reflecting on the ministry of Jesus in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He says, you know the generous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. For though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. 
That is what is called identification. We're going to talk about it later. It's one of the ways you minister, uh, we minister to the poor. You through his poverty might become rich. So he summarized his whole ministry as that. He became poor because, he was, because of his grace. His grace, the grace of Jesus Christ identifies with those who are poor. Paul also talking about Jesus, he said in Acts 20 verse 35, he said, in all things I have shown you that by working hard this way, we must help the weak. The word weak there in other translation is the poor. We must help the poor. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself when he said, it is more blessed to give than to what? Than to receive. We must help the poor. We must help the poor. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, Jesus was talking about, you know, in eternity. He said, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Uh, you know, why, why did he get to that? Why did he get to that? Because he said, when I was sick, you visited me. When I was, um, you know, naked, you clothed me. Uh, when I was in prison, you came to visit me. And then people will ask, why? 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 We, we, we didn't do it to you. He said, for as long as you have done it to the least, the least, the smallest children, whatever, of these, my brothers, you have done it to me. So somebody said it this way. I think it was Mother Teresa that said it, you know, there, that if you want to know what Jesus Christ looks like, go to the slums of Calcutta. And you will see him every day. Or go to the you know, under the bridge, and you see Jesus every day. We meet him every day. Um, you know, he looks ragged without clothes, hungry under the bridge, um, been in prison before, as convict, trying to find a way, but just can't find a way in the society, lost his job. Jesus will not look like we, the prosperity preachers, physically. I'm telling you, you know, I'm just, I'm, you know, I, I don't call myself that, but I'm just saying that for a reason. Not necessarily that, you know, if you want to look at the world right now, you want to see how Jesus looks. looks look, it looks like people who have needs. It looks like people who are oppressed. It looks like people who need help. So many times we pass them by. Sometimes they even come to church and, you know, we don't, we, we don't treat them like we would treat. No, we don't do that at City Light. I'm just, I'm talking right now. You know, we don't treat them like we would treat uh, people, other people who seem to have quote and unquote, more potentials. <laughs> Amen. Everybody say after me. Say Jesus, Jesus is represented in our world, in our world. By, those are by those who are needy. Those who are oppressed. And those are the kind of people he identified with even when he was on the earth. In Matthew eleven twenty five, 25, when John the Baptist, you know, came to ask about the ministry of Jesus. You know how Jesus summarized his ministry? He said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 5, he said, the blind receive their sight. That was his ministry. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So any ministry or any Christian life that does not have this one, if your ministry or your, or your life is identified by something else, that is not the spirit of Christ. Because that was, that's the ministry of our master. 
It was about those who are incapacitated, lame, who can't walk, whether spiritually, physically, mentally, or otherwise. Leprosy, the outcasts, you know, the deaf, the dead, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. To the poor. To the poor. All right, because of our time, we're going to move on. But let me, let, me, let me talk about the apostles. Because you see, it started from the Old Testament. Then Jesus came and emphasized that they had a purse for the poor. Judas was in charge of it and so on. And then the apostles come, come. You see, they also emphasized it. In Galatians 2, verse 9 to 10, when the church had a theological disagreement, uh, theological disagreement about the Gentiles that are coming into the church. And then the apostles met, and they wanted to tell Paul and Barnabas, we have read it last year when we were studying Acts of the Apostles, they wanted to tell Paul and Barnabas some, what they must emphasize. Do you know what they said? He said, James, Peter, and John, who those esteemed as pillars, give me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. When they recognized the grace given to me, they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles. And they, to the, and they to the circumcised. So Peter, all of them said, we're not going to argue about circumcision. Because that was the issue then, about all this hard word, whatever. But there's one thing that we will not compromise. He said, and they asked, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor. The very thing I had been eager to do all along. So meaning that any church, you can have disagreement about doctrine. You can have disagreement about all that. But there's one thing that you must never have disagreement about. The church should be about the poor. Amen. Amen. Should be about helping the poor. And Paul said, I have been eager to do this all along. So there's an eagerness that is required. James, one of the apostles in 127, James 127 says, pure religion that God our Father accepts and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Say that, say that, that one, God accepts it. There's no, God just accepts that one. You are taking care of the poor, accept it. So many people do not know, you know, you know we, yesterday we were studying, um, well, uh, listening to one of the messages at the retreat. I remember Cornelius was brought up, right? Cornelius was brought up. If you guys remember Cornelius, I think Acts chapter 10, verse 1, let's look at it. What was really, because Cornelius was, uh, uh, a Roman uh, person. It was a Roman military man, you know. It was a military man, in a sense, a centurion, somebody who leads, you know, about 80 to, you know, 100 and something, uh, you know, what they call it, is it regiment or army or whatever, in the Ro- Roman uh, regiment, yeah, uh, whatever, in the Roman army. So this guy was a military man. He's like, uh, I'm trying to find a military man that we can compare. <laughs> um, Insert anyone, anyone that you know was a soldier. But there was something that touched his heart with God. It was, a, it was number one, he was a Gentile. Number two, so that means he didn't have a relationship with God yet. And he was not even in the covenant yet. Because the gospel, Jesus Christ, Israel, everything was still revolving around that. But God wanted to find a way to get the gospel to the Gentiles. So God found this man. What touched God's heart? Verse number two, look at it. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. Even though he had no relationship with Jesus Christ, he was God-fearing, he gave what? Generously to those in need. 
He gave generously to those in need. And prayed to God regularly. So, because he was very generous to those in need and prayer and all that, he didn't have Jesus Christ. God had to send an angel to tell him that there's one thing that I want you to get so that everything can be complete. And I'm going to send an apostle to come and meet you in your house to give you that. And through that guy's prayer, all of us are here as Gentiles now. And through that guy's giving, generosity to the poor, we all are here now as Gentiles in the, in the faith. That's how powerful this, you know, ministering to the poor is. That was it. God, so, when, you know, there's God as, you see, whether they are believers or unbelievers, some, some of you make mistakes, you, you see. Now, that couldn't get him to heaven. Do you get it? So, God had to, support, to supply what would get him to heaven, right? But that, in a sense, is what is called good works. There are many people in the world right now that are not Christians, but they are very close to the kingdom. The only thing they just need is the salvation. You will see them, all of them, musicians and all that. You know, their heart is just there. They are doing stuff. They are doing good. They are doing good works. It's not yet kingdom work, but it is good work. And the only thing that just want, God just wants to do is to, for them to accept him. Just like that rich young ruler that came to Jesus. The guy was giving to the poor. I mean, he was doing all those things. Jesus said, wow. He said, Jesus looked at him and said, you are not far from the kingdom. You are not far from the kingdom. So there are some politicians who are not far from the kingdom. There are some entertainers who are not far from the kingdom because they have this heart. Do you get what I'm saying? And it's better for them to have this heart than to have another kind of heart. You understand? That is destroying everything. So what God did was that he just bridged the gap for Cornelius. So we all got it, right? Do you get it? That God, God is passionate about the poor. Is that, can I get an amen? Can I get an amen online? All right, let's go to my second point. So my first point is God's heart for the poor. My, third, my second point is God's highlight of poverty. God's highlight of poverty. Now, there are different types of poverty that the Bible talks about. And we make mistakes when we put all of them in one box because there are different solutions for different kinds of poverty. So one of the mistakes and the fights, you know, that we go through in the church, even in politics and all that, is because we have not distinguished the different kind of poverty. But the Bible distinguishes using different Hebrew words and then in the New Testament, Greek word for the different kind of poverty that exists. So I've categorized everything for you into four types of poverty uh, that the Bible talks about. And the Bible uses different, in the Old Testament uses different Hebrew words for these types of poverty. So the highlight of poverty through the Bible. The first type of poverty is, number one, poverty caused by personal sin. Poverty caused by personal sin. Poverty caused by personal sin. The Bible makes it very clear that when you practice certain lifestyle, you will be poor. <laughs> I miss Brother Fred, you know. <laughs> You'll be poor if you practice certain lifestyle. Let me give you some of those lifestyles that lead to poverty. The first one, Proverbs 13, verse 25. The righteous eat to their heart's content, but the stomach of the wicked goes hungry, or the belly of the wicked goes hungry. In other words, wickedness will lead to hunger. (laughs) 
So there are some people that are experiencing poverty because of their past wickedness. Okay? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 10 to 11. A little sleep. A little slumber. <laughs> a little folding of the hand. You know, folding the hand to rest, verse 11. What's going to happen? And poverty will come on you like a thief. And scarcity like an harmed man. So, there are certain people expressing poverty because of laziness. <laughs> That's the reason why they, are, they, they just don't like to walk. They don't like to use their minds. They don't want to do anything. They just want to take everything easy. And they just like to sleep and watch Netflix. And before you know it, the Netflix will cut off their Netflix because they can't pay. <laughs> and then, you know, the large people will take it off. And then before you know it, they will become a burden to people around them because they refuse to walk. So that is one kind of poverty. Um, let's look at another one there. At the next uh, uh, verse, there's a good... Uh, come on, show it for me. Proverbs 21, verse 5. He said, the plants of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Haste, uh, trying to get rich quick. So they, you just see that thing on the internet and you give all the money that you have saved, you give it to them, and then the next thing. <laughs> you are in need and you are in problem. You understand? You are in, you know, you are in trouble. Haste. Proverbs 21, verse 17. Those who love pleasure will become poor. And whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. <laughs> what he's saying is that there are some people, they just love their high life. They don't have no money, but, <laughs> but any money, too money they have, they are going to <laughs> buy all kinds of whatever, you know, get houses they can't afford, cars that they cannot afford, go to parties, you know, try to be among the Joneses and do whatever. He said they will be poor. You know, what he's saying is that if you don't control your appetite, it will lead you to poverty. So, so we have a subsection of our society that is poor because of that. But sometimes we, we use that as a cordial on the other categories that I'm going to talk about right now. Now, what is the solution to those people? The solution to those other ones is discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. is the solution. The solution is you preach the good news, the gospel to them. You mentor them. You introduce them to God. You teach them Psalm 34 verse 10. Please show it for me. Psalm 34 verse 10 that those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. You start teaching them the principle, the principle and all that. So that's why part of our solutions to poverty must involve mentality change. Do you get what I'm saying? It must involve teaching people, explaining things to people, and, you know, discipling people out of poverty. I've had to disciple people out of poverty. You know, just I, intrude, I will expose them to my own life. I'll bring them closer. I will give them a book to read. I'll show them, do this. Why don't you invest it? Why don't you take this step? I'll guide them and do all that and do all that until they are able to stand on their own. You understand? Because really their poverty is coming from what? It's coming from either laziness or coming 
uh, from all these things that we're talking about, pleasure and all that. But that's not all. So don't think everybody who is poor is lazy. You get what I'm saying? Not everybody who is poor is lazy. So the second category of poverty, we're talking about God's highlight of poverty in the Bible, is those who are poor because of calamity. Poverty caused by calamity. Usually, this type of people, their poverty came not because of their own fault. It's not because of their fault. Life happened to them. Deuteronomy 15.11 says, these people will always be, Deuteronomy 15.11 says, there will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I am commanding you to share freely or to be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in the land. The Hebrew word used there is different from the other one, the other poor, the needy. There will always be people in the land who are poor. A good example is this. In 2 Kings 24, verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar comes to Israel. Nebuchadnezzar. He carried all Jerusalem into exile. All the officers and fighting men and all the skilled workers and artisans, a total of 10,000, only the poorest people of the land were left. So basically, it took them, Daniel, all these people, and whatever took them, and then you have a whole lot of poor people in Jerusalem. So there was war, there was oppression and all that, and then there were some, you know, some results, you know, some results um, of that. Calamities, like war. If you go to Africa, two military officials are fighting. One wants to take power from the other one. And then as they are fighting, they don't care about the, they kill women, they kill all that. And then you have orphans all over the place. Babies all over the place that they just came into this world. They had no idea what was going to do. They don't even know who is fighting or what is causing the fight. And they are just there. They can't eat. And some of them are dying. Civil wars. Amen. People who experience accidents. A lot of you know, accidents in society and all that. They just lose their parent or they lose a limb or something happens to them and all that. There are a lot of people in our community who through calamity, you know, coronavirus is one of those calamities that took place last year and is continuing right now. And it has left certain, several people devastated as a result of no fault of their own. The dad was taken out, I mean, from work, couldn't work anymore. Some work was lost. Uh, you know, those who provide, uh, you know, bread in the household, they just lost it. Amen. Or, or somebody died because of coronavirus. Sometimes they have to, a family has to deal with medical bills, cancer, and all those things. And then they, you know, they just can't do any other thing, can't take care of. All. So those kind of evils and calamity, all of them can be traced to original sin, right? The sin from the beginning, right? Is that all these things? But we're talking about the fact that there are certain people who are in poverty because, not because of the fault of their own. It's just something that came upon them because of the evil, the evil that is in this world. Can I get an amen if you guys are following me? Amen. The blind, the lame, the needy. Hallelujah. So it is in this category where we have the orphans, we have the widows, uh, you know, we have all those people in there um, that are, what about all these children that are brought in here when they are young uh, by their parents? Who, are, who don't have papers, and then they grow up, the dreamers and all that, and they just grow up in here, and then because of a decision that is not their own, they are still being punished. 
Do you get what I'm saying? That's another example of uh, those type of people that are in that category. So what is, the, what is the solution to this? The solution to this type of poverty is support and aid coupled with discipleship. Do you get what I'm saying? I said your first one is discipleship, right? Those people, the first one, if you give them money, they will repeat the same thing. Do you get what I'm saying? You give them money. I remember one time when we were, we were helping some people that just came out of jail here and all that. And I remember that. So they used to set up for us. We were in the gym then. They would set up all those things. I would pay them. So I remember. So we were mentoring some of them. They had come out of jail, working with them and all that. And I made, we made that mistake of paying them money. The next thing we saw after paying money to a few of them was that they were back in jail. If there was one that money was given to, I mean, this one is a different, a different case. It got some money, and then the next thing was back in the crack house because they just couldn't handle it. It was too much. So they went back to be doing what they were trying to do, and then the police caught, or, or, and so they are worse off. So it's not every kind of poverty that money can meet so that they don't mingle it together. Sometimes the government makes that mistake. They just mingle everything together. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand? There, there are some poverty that it is discipleship and empowerment. It is change of mentality that can solve it. Do you get what I'm saying? But for this kind of people, it is relief. Relief and help. Don't try and disciple to be saying, I want to disciple a widow, first of all. No. First of all, show love. Amen. If there's any other thing that needs to be corrected, because you show love. And often, don't just first say, oh, the first thing I want to do is I want to know, how did you get into this situation? Attend our widow class or our orphan, orphan classes. No. You start with hating them. And then you can produce empowerment for them. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's how you deal with that kind of a poverty. Number three, because of our time, poverty caused by dispossession, oppression. That's number three, third type of poverty. Poverty caused by oppression and what? Dispossession. So this is different from calamities. This is human beings who are powerful making people poor. The Bible talks about them. Let's read a few. Proverbs 13 verse 23. It says, a poor person's farm may produce much food. You know, use NLT because I, I like, you know, injustice with body. I like the way NLT. It said. A poor person's farm may produce much food, but injustice sweeps it all away. So this person that we're talking about, this person that has a farm, worked on his farm, he produced good. So this is not a lazy man, but injustice comes, sweeps it away. Dispossession. Justice sweeps it away. Isaiah 42, verse 22. His own people have been robbed, plundered, enslaved. You know, slavery. You know, people think that slavery is over. There's still sex trafficking that is still going on in Chicago and in other places. And there are people that are victims of this now. Robbed, plundered, enslaved, imprisoned. What about the unjust prison system? especially for black men. Where somebody commits a non-violence offense, 
that a lot of white people and other people commit, who are rich commit, and then they just get off very easily. But they give the person 25 years. I've met a whole bunch of them in this church. I've made them come. You know, they come and they will tell their story. I've been in, I just came out of prison 26 years. What did you do? And they talk about what they did. Where a lot of people are getting off free. Imprisoned. What about trapping? Trapping people in a failing community. Trapping people in failing schools. That they can't get out of the place. They are fair game for anyone. And they have no one to protect them and no one to take them back home. Everybody say there's someone. The church. The church. Amos chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. This is what the Lord says. The people of Israel have sinned and sinned again, and I will not let them go unpunished. What, what was the sin? They sell honorable people, selling people, trafficking for silver, and poor people for a pair of sandals. They trample helpless people in the dust, and they allow the oppressed, they shove the oppressed out of the way. Redlining. You know, you can't get... You can't, you know, do you know what redlining is, right? How many of you have had the history of Chicago and what redlining is? So redlining is like they had a, you know, a red line, banks and all that, that is drawn around certain neighborhood. So when you're from that neighborhood, you can never get a mortgage. You can never, there are certain things, you know, that's what, you know, redlining is. Now, redlining as a, you know, as a concept is still present. There are still some small businesses that can't get some things that some will easily get. There are still some non-profits that once they see the names of the board and all that, that they are black and whatever, whatever they, they won't be able to get into certain things. All these things are going on in our world. There's diversion of resources to certain parts. You know, I have lived on all parts of Chicago and whatever. We have been in places here where you call, where you pray. You know, we, have, we always have alarm, you know, you know, buildings and all that. And they're just, just funny, you know, in the different places. So, on the suburb, in the suburbs, the alarm rings by accident. You have like 10 police officers and a fire truck in front of you. I say, oh, I'm sorry, officer. It was just, you know, accident. You know, and then they will go. But on the south side, <laughs> the thing will ring, ring, ring. You're waiting for police. Then you will call the police. They will say, there's no, there's no patrol officer. Oh. It's terrible. Terrible. <laughs> this is the reality. Amen. This is the reality. Ah, wow. Okay. So what is the solution to this because of our time? No, but I, I need to talk about this one too. Um, you know, unjust laws. Everybody say unjust laws. Unjust laws. Uh, Exodus 1.11. It says... The Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down and crush with crushing labor. They forced them to build the city of Pedom and Anasis and supply centers for the king. So that's forced labor, using people in the sand to get your thing done, but you, know, you are not taking care of them. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 1 to 2, unjust laws. Isaiah 10, from verse 1 to 2. He said... 
What sorrow awaits the unjust judges and those who issue unfair laws? They deprive the poor of justice and deny the rights of the needy among my people. They prey on widows and they take advantage of orphans. Predatory lending. Credit card laws. Collection practices. And all kinds of unjust laws that are in our society right now that keep people down and bound. God is against it. And the church must fight against it. So let me go on. So this, what is the solution to this? The solution to this kind of poverty is what is called defense. You speak out for justice. You speak out for justice. That, can, that one is not a matter of I give you money or whatever. This is representation. You understand? You will speak out. You will speak out and say, no, 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 no. You can't do that to somebody who is poor. You can't do that. The church speaks out. You speak out to people who don't have power. Or whose power has been taken, who've been made defenseless. That's the solution to that. So, but let, let, let's give the holistic solution, which is my third point for today. And I have one more point. God's help for the poor. God's help. How does God want to help the poor? God's help for the poor. So we're talking about God's heart for the poor, God's highlight of poverty, God's help for the poor. God's help for the poor. As I've been saying, how does God want to help? The first and primary one way that God wants to help the poor is through discipleship. Write it down. Discipleship. Applied correctly. When you raise disciples, like raise disciples in church, they will defend the cause of the fatherless. They will support, you know, the people. And they will teach. They will do all that. So discipleship is important. So in our discipleship and training and leading life and all this stuff, we must always remember to tell people that whatever you are doing, whether you're a business person, you're working in a place, you must have the poor in your heart. You must always have the people that, are, that don't have as much as you have in your heart. And you must be a part of helping God to deal with that issue in bringing the kingdom to the earth. The second one, um, and of course you can get scriptures for that. Jesus said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor. To preach, to proclaim deliverance, to proclaim the teaching, the proclamation, and all that. Isaiah 61 from verse 1, that's where that is. The proclamation is the, is the speaking, is the, it's a good disciple, all nations, all people groups, discipling kids, discipling orphans, and all that. That is one of God's solutions that the church can get involved in. The second one is identification. God's solution for poverty or God's help for the poor. Identification. Identification. What is identification? Identification is what Jesus Christ did when he says, for though he was rich, yes, for your sake, he became what? Poor. He came down to our level. He came down to our level. Identification is what Mother Teresa did by moving to Calcutta from the West, you know, to be among the poor. Now, there is, uh, there is some errors concerning that. People think that because we're called to identify the poor, that you have to be poor. But even the poor does not expect that because they want somebody that can really help them. Identification is choosing a life of simplicity, not destitution. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Choosing a life of simplicity, not a life of destitution. 
Because you can't help anybody if you are poor, too. But a life of simplicity. Simplicity is that you are able to, if somebody is poor, you know, you are in their neighbor, you are around them, they're able to relate with you. You know, I've been in African countries and all that, coming from the U.S. and all that, and I toned down my dressing. I toned down the way I talk about what I have. Do you get what I'm saying? You tone down everything. You eat with them. You eat the same food that they are eating. You, you know, you, you don't say, oh, yeah, yeah, in America, don't eat this kind of thing. You know, whatever food they bring before us, we will eat it. We'll use the same toilet. I've used some toilet, man. You go in and come out. Pastor you know. <laughs> because, you know, there are some things waiting for you in there. But, but, you know, it's identification. You don't start complaining. I didn't know. You know, when I'm in Chicago, you know, this is like, no. I can live anywhere. I know how to abound. I know how to be abased. I've lived in huge mansions. I've lived in small places. I'd I mean, okay, I've been in play, I've been in five-star hotels. You get what I'm saying? And I've been in cockroach-infested hotels. It doesn't matter to me. Do you get what I'm saying? Identification. Everybody say identification. 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 Uh, let's read uh, something quickly about, um, about identification. Um, Jesus said to his host, uh, that's in... Um, Luke 14, verse 14. He said to his host, when you give a banquet, when you give a banquet, invite the poor. From verse 13, I think. Invite, when you give a banquet, invite, or a feast, invite the poor. Invite the, the maimed, the blame, the blind. And you will be blessed because they can't repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. In other words, when you are doing your parties, when you are doing your lifestyle generally, include the poor. Be able to be approachable by the poor. Do you get what I'm saying? Sometimes, I know you have that nice vehicle. Sometimes you might just need to take a vehicle that is at that level so that you don't get everybody in a sand. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's wisdom. You have to understand that. You have to be able to balance it. So it is not a call to destitution, but it's a call to simplicity. Simplicity at heart. Hallelujah. Involve the poor. Romans chapter 12, verse 16. I love the message translation. It says, get along with each other. Laugh with your happy friends when they are happy. Share tears when they are down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Make friends with nobodies. Do you have, in your, look at your circle of friends. Do you have people that, you know, that are below your status? Or everybody's, you know, just people that, no, we, we do that consciously. We identify, we, we do certain things that takes us out of our comfort zone. Yes, thank you. Take us out of our comfort zone. Uh, the next one, support. Please, support. How, to, how God wants us to help the poor. Support. Support. That's, this is physical support. How God is going to. People need support. He said, if anyone has material possessions, 1 John 3, 17, and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? How can the love of God be in that person? I mean, I don't know it. You know, Pastor someone knows, I say, so when people come to me, I say, like, people come into this, they just walk into their homeless or whatever. 
I say, the moment that they have come to me, I cannot let them down. That's just the fact. That is it. If somebody has come to me, and they are, I cannot. And you know, I will never. Sometimes I've had to drive all over the city late at night. Everybody, whatever. I'll put them in a hotel, or I'll put them. I'll do what I can do, so that somebody. Can, I cannot say just go. It's not. How, how can you tell somebody just go? I remember when we were building this place. God said, "Oh, we had finished planning everything," and God said, "You plan the old church, and you have no place for me." I'm like what? He said, "There's no bathroom and all that." I said, "What if a homeless person walks into this place, and says they need a bath? Where would they?" Where, where will I be able to take a bath in this church? So I told them to take it down. Remember then? That wall, take it down, expand it, and build a full bathroom there. And we have had many homeless people come into this place to have their bath. Even sometimes when we're having service, they will, they will go there, take them down, they have their bath in that place. We have to, we have to make sure that part of our lives, our possession, what we have, there's a part of it reserved for the poor. Let's, let's read. You'll see it there. You know, let's, let's, let's read some scripture more. It says, Luke chapter 3, verse 11. This one is talking about surplus. Surplus. If you have surplus, why are you keeping the surplus clothes in your wardrobe? If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. Jesus is saying, live on 50% of your, of your possessions. If you have two, that's 100%. Give what? <laughs> one to the poor. If you have food, share with those who are hungry. This is Paul and John's actually. John the Baptist said, share with those who are hungry. Share. All those shoes that you have. This is for Monday. This is for Tuesday. This is for next quarter. This is for... <laughs> oh, share it. Share it. If I have a blessing. There's nothing wrong in having abundance. Please, choices and abundance is good. But make sure that you have a sharing heart. Come on. Come on, say amen to that. Hallelujah. It says, Deuteronomy 15, 7 to 8. Is anyone poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you? Don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Freely lend them whatever they need. Hallelujah. You know, I love this one. Deuteronomy 24, Deuteronomy 24 from verse 19 to 22. He said, when you reap your harvest, when you get your salaries, when you, do, when you reap your harvest, and you forgot a sheaf, or you overlook a sheaf, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner. The fatherless, the widow, tip when you go to a restaurant. Huh? Do the waiters curse you or do they bless you? <laughs> I was told that Christians are the stingiest set of people that go to restaurants. <laughs> do you know that waiters, if you have been a waiter before, you know that waiters, part of their, they, they actually factor the tip as part of their compensation. So when somebody serves you and all that, and then you're like, let me just give him 0 0.90 cent. <laughs> no. Just let it be. You know, my wife and I, you know, we, we had one thing. We've been fasting and all that. So one of the night, we usually take our son to, uh, what do you call it? To volleyball game. So we spent two hours waiting for him. 
So that night, we just decided, let's go out to the restaurant and just have a date. You know, we had not had a date in a long time, you know. <laughs> so we had like a two-hour date, just talking and just having fun. And then we got some food and whatever. And then, you know, the waiter was looking at the guy. The guy's a white guy. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, I was like, so we, we wrote, of course, we wrote a tip, a nice tip. we we'll do that. But something just told me, he said, give the guy more. Let this guy know that you guys, you are different. Do you know what I'm saying? You guys are, you have Christ. So we put more. Then we put Glow Church card in there too. <laughs> like, you know, just for you to know that this is for Christ's purposes. I think, let's start practicing that. When you go to the restaurant, put a city light card in there. Say, we have all those cards there, you know, a little extra for what? What do we call it? A little extra just to show you God loves you. We have those cards there. Take it along. Put it there. If you still eat McDonald's or any one of these drive through as you are driving, just say, I'm paying for the, this extra. I'm paying for the person behind me. I leave a card in there and say, this is for Christ's sake. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when we're leaving, the guys came. Not just the guy and also his friends. They came to meet us, you know. They were, you know, greeting us. Hey, you know these guys? Are? Yeah, he has been touched. We didn't preach the gospel to him, but he has been touched with the gospel. Amen. He has been touched. He said, God will bless you. He said, leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord may bless you in all the work of what? Of your hand. Leave some things. No, no, no. Leave it. <laughs> leave it. Ah, change. Leave it. All right, um, let's go to defend, the final one, defend. Then I'll quickly talk about the rewards and we'll, we'll pray. Defend. So the, th- the fourth way that God wants us to help the needy, the poor, defend. Proverbs 31, verse 8 to 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And for the rights of those who are destitute. Speak up. That's the time you are allowed to overturn tables. You get what I'm People don't know why Jesus Christ overturned tables. They've read that story for a long time. They don't know why you overturned tables. Because you never studied the design of the temple. So you see where those people were selling all those things? It was called the court of the Gentiles. It was supposed to be the place where the Gentiles, the port was supposed to be there. And these guys were gambling over there. Jesus was like, you guys, this was supposed to be called the house of prayer for all people. And you guys have turned into a debt of it. You're not allowing the people that are supposed to be here, the poor, the blessed, the Gentiles. You're not allowing them to come to their place to overthrow the table. That's what he was doing there. It wasn't that he was having a tantrum. You know, he was just angry that the real reason for this place is for the poor, the Gentiles, the destitute, and people from different nations. But you guys have turned it to something else. Sometimes we need to overthrow certain tables in our society. Speak up! It doesn't mean you're a Republican or Democrat. Don't, you know, the, the problem with being in all those parties is that you keep quiet. 
when it comes to certain things. When it comes to abortion and all this stuff, you keep quiet as a Democrat. When you, as a Republican, when it comes to injustice and poverty, you will keep quiet. No, I don't belong to it. I'm an independent and I speak to both. I will speak about both from the womb to the tomb. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. We need to be the church and exclude ourselves from all these you know, parties. And we support them and pray for them when they are doing what is right and will stand. No matter who is in power, we should be consistent. Defend. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Become a lawyer for widows. Become a lawyer for orphans. I say, no, no, you can't do that for them. You can't take that house from them. You can't just evict them that way. You know what has been happening since you defend and you do this in your sphere of influence. You do this. Wherever God has put you and given you influence, you will do that. Job said, one of the things that God blessed, you know, they said Job was one of the richest man and blessed man. You know the reason why he was blessed? In the book of Job chapter, um, Job chapter 29, I think, Job chapter 29, I think, um, from verse 12, 29 from verse 12, he said, no, see, because, let's see, 11, he talked about all the different things. He said, when the, the secret of God, let's talk about the honor that he had. Let's go up a little bit. The honor that just, you know, that he had. He said, when I went to the gate of the city and I took my seat in the public square, the young men saw me and stepped aside. The old men rose to their feet, so respect. The chief men refrained from speaking and they covered their mouth with their hands. The voices of the nobles were hushed and their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouths. Whoever heard me spoke well, spoke well of me. And those who saw me commended me because I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to assist them. Verse 13. I was, he said, the one who was dying blessed me. People were dying because even when they were at the point of death, Job was doing something to help them. I made the widow's heart sing for joy. I put on righteousness as my clothing and justice was my robe and my turban. I was high to the blind and I was fit to the lame. I was a father to the needy and I took up the case of a stranger. This is what God is calling us to do. To take up causes that don't necessarily concern us but they concern us because it is God's What's happening to my computer? Come on, turn on. Okay, it's on now. All right, hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise. We're, getting, we're landing, we're landing, we're landing, we're landing. We're landing, so we're supposed to defend. We're supposed to defend. So let's go to our final point today. When you live that way, God's honor for his partners. So I've talked about three points today. Number one, God's heart for the poor. Number two, God's highlights of poverty. Number three, God's help for the poor through the church. And then number four, final one, God's honor for his partners. 
So since this is what God wants to do on the earth and he can't come to do it by himself, he's depending on his church to do it. And you know one thing about God is that when you do what he wants to do, he blesses you. Do you guys get it? He blesses you. So here are some blessings for helping the poor. Proverbs 28 verse 27. You can claim this thing if you are involved in it. This is part of our constitution. You can bring it to God in prayer. A generous person, whoever gives to the poor, will lack nothing. But those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Will lack nothing. In other words, when you become focused on helping the needy, there's a way that God just continues to help you so that you are not needy. Like I usually say, a pipe that is delivering water cannot complain of thirst. Proverbs, uh, yeah, that one. It says, a generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be what? Will be refreshed too. There will be a time when you will have a need, and then God will just bring supernatural supplies, help to you. In Isaiah chapter 58, which I read last week, God talked about the kind of fast that he chose to lose the chain of injustice, to untie the cord of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke, to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor, wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, you clothe them. You do not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and you will be strength, he will strengthen your frame you will be like a well-watered garden. Someone say amen to this. Like, like a spring of water. And like a spring whose waters never fail. It's going to cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. It will feed you, next verse 12, with the heritage of Jacob. And it will cause you to ride on the high places of Chicago. Verse 12, please, you know. Hallelujah. So, so guys, that's, um, you say, yeah, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. That's part of the promise. Go on. We build the ancient ruins. Rebuild. All right, slow. So um, that's um, that is that. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter fifteen, verse ten to eleven. Quickly, he said, "Give generously to them." He's talking about the poor, and and do so without a grudging heart. Then, because of this, I would say, because of this, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. And everything you put your hand to. It will bless you, your business, your all that, because of this. My favorite scripture of all on the poor. The reason why it's favorite is because I've had personal experience with it. You know, when I was in college, we used to do something. I was pastoring and we did something, we call it Acts 411. It was one of the initiatives of the, of the ministry. It was based on Psalm 41 verse 1. This scripture, I have quoted it when I'm sick, when I fall sick. 
I've quoted it when I get into tough challenges. I quote it. I stand on it. I want to give it to you. It's a psalm of David. He said, blessed are those who have regard for the weak. Can you give me NKJV? Because it's not, I love the poor. You know, uses the poor there. You know. He said, blessed are those who, is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. Now, the Lord didn't say you won't get into trouble. But he said he will deliver him in the time of trouble. You know, I've, I've, I've done that. I've done that. I've, we've been in certain situations and all that that looks like trouble. This is one of the scriptures I stand on. I said, God, you say, I said, I've always helped the poor. I've done this. I, well, I, you will deliver me. You can't break this one. You will deliver me in the time of trouble. The Lord, this one, the Lord will preserve him. Well, let's go on, verse 2. Verse 2, please. Verse 2. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. That is long life. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. Meaning, God wants you to continue doing the good work. So he has to protect you. You know, he said it works by faith. You have to receive it by faith. I quote it when I'm flying, when I'm doing whatever, and the place begins to blend, begin to shake and all that. I say, I remember. He said, you preserve me and keep me alive. You will not deliver me to the will of my enemies. There are certain things Satan is planning and all that. He will not deliver you to the will of your enemies. I love this one. On your bed of sickness, verse 3, the Lord will strengthen you on your bed of illness and he will sustain you on your sick bed. I remember when I was doing Act 411, there was one lady that used to lead the Act 411 in the church I was pastoring there. This lady, I got the, the news they sent to me that she has been rushed to the hospital because her appendix ruptured. And you know, of course, in Nigeria, I know, I'm talking some years ago, that's a terrible whatever. So they said they were doing operation and that she was a dancer. You know, you know how I prayed? I took this scripture and I went into a quiet place and I began to quote it because I know this lady was the one leading Acts 411. I know her heart for the poor. I know all that. And I said, God, you are going to get this guy, this lady out of this sick bed. You are going to preserve this lady and keep her alive. She's alive right now and she's doing great work for the ministry. Now, those are earthly rewards. What about eternal reward? The last one, eternal reward. Proverbs, uh, sorry, Matthew 25. He said, the king will say, he said, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set, he will set the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left. Verse 34, and then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and will give you drink? Then when did we see you as a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Verse 39. Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, As surely I say to you, in as much as you did it, to one of the least 
of this, my brethren. You did it. Come on, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. Come on, let's rise up on our feet, everyone, right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got it. I'm going to be gutted. Did you get it? This has to become a permanent part of our lives to help God meet this need. Bring the kingdom of God to earth by helping the poor, identifying with the poor, defending the poor and the fatherless in your own sphere, in the way that you can do it. And that is why as a church today, we're dedicating ourselves to that. That we are going to, we've been doing it, but we're stepping it to another level. This church will be known as a church that remembers the poor. Come on, can I get an amen here? The defender of the fatherless, the defender of the widows, the uplifter of those who are down and out. You know, this is what God, this is the vision of God, the overall vision of God for the poor. Uh, I think it's in 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, I think, or chapter 2, when Anna was praying, after he received, let me find it, when Anna received um, the birth of Samuel, I think I, I have it somewhere here. I think it's 1 Samuel chapter... You want to see, I want to cast a vision of what, you know, we want to do. It's part of our raising. Everybody say raising light. Someone say raising light. Yeah, it's part of it. So it flows perfectly with the vision. Uh, it's 1 Samuel chapter 2. It says, it raised, thank you, that's it. He said, it raises the poor from what? From the dust. It lifts the beggar out of what? The harsh heap to set them among princes and to make them inherit throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has said the word upon it the pillars of Chicago are the Lord's so God wants to raise the poor the down and out from zeros to heroes to raise them up one of the uh, curriculum we're working on you know, after the workplace, we're calling zero to hero for the leading life. This is going to be for those who seem to have no hope at all, how they can rise up and get to the next level. So I'm telling you, this is a focus of this church for this year and going forward. So it's, one, it's part of our DNA from the very beginning. And uh, we're just stepping into it. So one of the things we're doing today is we're, you know, taking a step together at the end of this past to give. We're calling it Project Radical Generosity. Basically, all we're asking is every one of us, whatever God puts into your heart, that you want to separate, to minister to the poor within the city of Chicago, for us to give it, whether it's uh, in material, good material resources, food, or in finances. And I know that a bunch of people have already started giving and giving towards that. So we want to dedicate it officially to God right now. So I'm going to ask you to sit down at this moment and just think about it, um, what God puts in your heart that you want to give, because we're going to be praying about it. And you have one more thing to do, and we're going to end the service. So just think about it.
Thanks for listening to the Glow Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.